Hey guys, I'm Richard Fitzgerald. This is Dubai Works, where we interview the business leaders making a difference in this great city. That business with scalability was very interesting to me. I like building something that has legacy. Welcome back to another episode of Dubai Works Business Podcast. Today we're talking all things media and a deep dive into streaming with a very well-known brand in the region. Uh, it's powered by Zbuni. The Zbuni app gives businesses free tools to start and grow online, accept payments, build e-store and create mobile invoices in minutes. The interview is brought to you by Zbuni. The guests and stories told are their own. So, Stars plays a subscription video on demand service that streams Hollywood and Arabic movies, TV shows, documentaries, kids entertainment and many more things coming to the platform. They also have original content to 20 countries across MENA and Pakistan. The company was has seen a phenomenal year-on-year -year growth since, since launch in 2015, reaching over a million paying subscribers and installed on more than 6 million devices. Wow. Uh, the co-founder and CCO, Danny Bates, has joined us to talk about the amazing growth that Stars Play has had. Uh, his, he has personally more than 20 years experience in, to his role as CCO uh, at Stars Play Arabia, having spent the past two decades working in the EMA regions, regionals, uh, satellite, pay TV, and energy sectors. Good morning, Danny. Good morning, Fly. Thanks. Thanks for joining. So you're working remotely and you're in the UK at the moment? Correct. Yes. Yeah. Enjoying the uh, cold weather in the UK, <laughs> the warm weather back in Dubai right now. It's, it's, not a, it's not a warm spring yet. No, no, it certainly isn't. <laughs> Lots of rain, probably. Well, thanks for joining. Uh, so, yeah, so to get kick-started, um, can you tell us about how Stars Play started? Yeah, sure. Uh, so, you know, myself and uh, the, my co-founder, Maz, um, we actually spent around 10 years at OSN uh, in the region. So we were part of the team that helped kind of grow OSN uh, into one of the leading satellite providers in the region. And, you know, in the later years, kind of there at OSN, we really started to see the the shift across to, to streaming and, and the importance of this as a, as a platform for delivery for customers. So when we were there, you know, we really started, even though Netflix, for example, hadn't launched in the market, we really started to see a migration of customers across to Netflix, even back then, sort of six, seven years ago. Uh, and we really saw the kind of opportunity in this market to bring something similar to, to customers acro across MENA. Um, so, you know, we, we kind of went through this journey together of, of many, many businesses that we kind of had ideas to start up and, and kind of shot them all down until this one came up as an idea. And we really thought it, it follows our background, kind of what we know in terms of an industry. Uh, and the, the opportunity is, is really sort of there for the taking in the, in the region at that time. So, yeah, we were fortunate enough uh, six years ago through some common friends to get introduced to uh, a team of individuals who at that time also built up a company called HBO Nordic. Um, so uh, some of our co-founders, Karen, Khalid, uh, Salim, our CTO at that time, we kind of kind of came together as a, as a founding team uh, to launch Stars Play. Uh, and again, sort of when we were out there looking for funding, um, you know, kind of sometimes you get a bit lucky, right? You, you kind of get to meet the, the right people at the right time. We were fortunate enough at that time to meet um, the Stars, which is one of the leading 
so or at that time was one of the leading US cable brands um, who were more of a B2B company back then six years ago um, yeah, which were really looking to see how they could kind of get some B2C reach for customers and, and develop their customer facing offerings so we were fortunate enough to bring stars on as um, which is now stars Lionsgate as a, as a shareholder six years ago and then kind of really you know get the funding to uh, to build up the business in the region amazing uh, so the original I think many people who are familiar with stars play now knows what it what it does and what it what it is with premium content and all these different opportunities for streaming back then was that the playbook was that the business plan to do exactly as you've done in terms of uh in terms of the content offering and streaming yeah i think you know the original idea honestly was to kind of launch the streaming service but launch it with a with like a, a box that could be in the customer's home you know like some kind of set-top box because we knew that's what the region was kind of used to through the satellite tv offerings but i think sort of you know quite early on uh, we realized that the, the market was, you know, really evolving very, very quickly and customers had their, their own devices that they can use, whether that be smart TV, their tablet, Apple TV, these type of products. So I think early on we kind of pivoted from the original idea, which was a streaming service with a device to realizing that actually, you know, we could capitalize on the devices that customers had. But I would say from the original idea to where you kind of evolved to, you know you turn 20 different corners along the way you know it was we kind of had some preconceptions about content i think early on we thought that movie content would really be the driver of a service like this and i think you know quite soon after launching we really realized that the core backbone of a service like this is series content so we made a pivot that way quite early on to still acquire movies but to have a bigger focus on on series content for streamers I think early on as well, we kind of realized that um, just having credit card as a method of payment in this region wouldn't give us that kind of payment ubiquity to give customers access to the service. So very early on as well, we kind of built our uh, telecom relationships with partners all across the region, moved into carrier billing so that customers could pay for us using their mobile uh, telephone bill. And that also helped us grow. So I think, you know, there's been a multitude of kind of learnings uh, along the way, tweaks in the strategy along the way to actually be able to kind of realize the growth that, we, that we've seen today. Amazed on two things that I'd love to dwell, delve into a bit more that has been a key driver in your growth and your differentiator in terms of uh, partnerships and differentiated content as well. Um, but going back to the sort of uh, the start in terms of, uh, you know, being knowing the industry but then having to do a startup uh and have you know the things that go with startup you alluded to fundraising but also there's usually uh, a tech build and things like that how did you kind yeah. of navigate that um when when you know your background was more in a sort of an established sort of uh business yeah i think um you know although kind of we'd been at osn and maybe now it feels established. I think for us during kind of our, our time there, it kind of had a bit of a startup feel to it anyway. Mm. Uh, that, you know, we went through a big change in strategy at OSN in terms of content and distribution. We'd went through that kind of first evolutions at OSN of a, 
of an OTT product to deliver catch up to the satellite service. So we kind of been through some of that, some of that development. So if you like, we had some preparations for what was to come, but not enough. I would say, I'd say there was a, you know, there's a lot that you find earlier, early on. So I think for us, you know, a key part for us was building a platform kind of early on, as, as you kind of mentioned, it was, it was a big focus of the team. And, and I think what we tried to do, kind of seeing what had happened around the world and seeing some of the challenges that people have met, we kind of, we looked to build our, our own platform early on, which made things more difficult, if you like, at the start, because you're building something from scratch that doesn't exist. You're trying to make all of those different components from video to the customer-facing application, from billing and, and everything work. So it made it quite sort of challenging at, at the start. But I think over the longer term, kind of that decision has paid off because we have a platform now today that's ours, that we know how, how to develop it. It's our own um, IP. So I think painful at the start, but glad we kind of made the decision in terms of, in terms of where, we, where we sit today, you know, that we now have this platform and have developed this and have this asset, if you like, for the business. But I think it's, you know, the big beyond sort of getting the platform launched i think one of the biggest challenges you face as a startup early on is kind of you know where do you invest your time and and what decisions do you make you know so it's always you only have so much resource you have so much funding so i think the big kind of challenge for us in the early days was you know what feature do we invest in what partner do we invest in you know how do we build up the business to hopefully make the right decisions to support our, our longer term growth. So, you know, you're constantly asking yourself that question, are we doing the right thing? Is this the thing that we should be doing and, and trying to, you know, get behind the decisions that you make and hope, hopefully they, you know, support the growth that you're looking for in the business. Interesting. Uh, also, uh, in terms of the startup, we'll talk about the brand and getting that out there. But as you, many people will resonate with the choice you made about building your own platform. And is that to do with sort of having control and flexibility? And obviously it can help margins down the line, but does it also, uh, does it also kind of, um, you know, uh, does it give you a point of difference with others who have potentially licensed uh and outsource their technology and do you have to decide as as you know do you have to decide if you're a media company and a tech company and is that what you and, and your co-founders figured out at the start or did you think you were hybrid at the start well i i think you know we really kind of evolved what we thought we were over time to be honest you know i think at the first as we went into this we kind of thought we were a pay tv company you know we came a little bit with that um legacy of being in a pay tv company and kind of thought the business was similar but i think really early on we learned some sort of you know clear lessons that that's not what we are you know we're actually yes content is our product uh, ultimately and that's what people watch but actually i think as much as that we were we realized early on that we were two other things one is a tech company as you say you know, we needed to deliver great technology to deliver our products to customers. I think the other thing we kind of realized we, we were very early on and needed to change our model for it is an e-commerce company as well. You know, when we look at our distribution, our distribution is all online. You know? So the ability to acquire customers online, the ability to understand the data of the 
acquisition channels, be able to attribute costs, be able to attribute um, things like lifetime value to the customers that we're bringing on and which channels performing for us and which channels not. That was really kind of uh, sort of a big aha moment for us early on, you know, and, and I think it's something that we kind of adjusted as well to bring some of that skill into the team. You know, I, I think fr from our background, we kind of had the ability to build the tech. We had the ability to build sort of the, that media side of the business. And I think what we really tried to add early on was people with that e-commerce experience. You know, we brought in a guy who was a big part of our sort of first few years of growth that came from a background of, of companies like booking.com. So he'd really had that e-commerce experience, that online acquisition experience. And I think that made a, you know, really big, big difference to the business early on. And, and, and then we kind of evolved from there. And I think also looking at marketing today, it's kind of very, very different. You know, it's it's numbers, it's analytics, it's, you know, it's not a lot down to gut feeling these days. You know, we run, you know, maybe 20 different creatives at the start of the month, see which one performs, get behind that creative, you know. So it's very much building that uh, analytical capability has been really, really key in the company as well. Fascinating. So many different things. It, it makes it sound even more complicated to be e-commerce companies as well. But uh, Danny, so the opportunity when you see when we see statistics on, say, in this space and in, in cord cutting, as they term it in the US or uh, a shift to streaming and and the different platforms and devices, uh, what do you think uh, are the key reasons why Stars Play kind of uh, cut through and um, you know is is still growing strong now or even thriving kind of six years in and there were other kind of players at the time that didn't necessarily make it um, and then also alluding at the the role that sort of setting up in Dubai uh, played in that sort of part of the success. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I think the. The reason kind of the industry worked in this region, I think, was for was for a couple of reasons. And I'll go maybe into why we kind of succeeded within that as well. But I think the region has always had, you know, a really strong demand for content and and also had a really, you know, strong demand for Hollywood content as well. But and, and this is kind of where we saw the opportunity in the market as well. But kind of OSN and the orbits of the world or showtimes back in the day, had always brought Hollywood content to the region at a really high premium to customers. So, you know, the, you know, some of our pricing back at that time was, you know, we had packages at $80 a month, $109 a month, this type of pricing. So I think being able to bring customers a service back then, uh, number one was really well priced. Um, and, and so they, you know, didn't feel that same level of having to, you know, have that commitment, $80, $100 a month. It was also packaged flexibly as well, you know, rather than signing up for a 12 month contract, you had a free trial, you could try the product, you were not tied to a contract, you could cancel any time. So I think actually making the product and truly like an entertainment product rather than making people have to come in and make big commitments financially and make big commitments in terms of the, the period they spent with us really helped early on establish the, the package. And then I think, you know, when I look at back when we first launched sort of six years ago, I think back then we were really trying to establish a category that didn't exist. You know, our job was a lot harder six years ago, trying to convince people that um, online TV was was a way to consume your products. You know, we almost had to 
educate what the category was back then. And then funnily enough, you know, things like, <clears throat> excuse me, sorry, Netflix coming into the market, funnily enough, actually helped us because it brought a lot of credibility to our category and brought a lot of understanding to our category to consumers across the region. And then we were able to just compete on things like our product offering, our price, our billing, and also the, you know, the customization of our content library to be very relevant to the region. Yeah, it's a fascinating insight to treat competition like that in a, in a new Burgoyne sector where the sector needs to be proven itself out and then the, the pie overall grows. Can, can you talk a little bit about the, uh, the opportunity that you see today in streaming and the current current market size? Are, you know, we're in the middle of Ramadan and typically in the past, uh, the numbers around Ramadan and Pan-Arab TV are really high numbers, even compared to the US market. Um, is, do, and do you see a kind of, um, do you see that as still a huge opportunity in, in the space, in the streaming space where, where Stars Play is? Yeah, I mean, I think what's happened um, over the, you know, the past sort of two or three years is streaming has become more established in the region as a way to watch TV, you know. And ultimately, at the end of the day, it's just another distribution method. You know, we talk about SVOD and all of these things, but really it's just a more effective distribution method of the product. So I think, you know, what we've seen in the last couple of years is things like smart TVs, whereas maybe four or five years ago, they were a bit of a gimmick, you know, that were put out by manufacturers they were seen as. Whereas today, something like a smart TV is really seen as a way to consume content. And we've seen in our own numbers, the, the kind of use of smart TVs really explode over the last two, three years as customers become kind of more aware of this category and start to use it more. But that said, I still feel like we are kind of really, fortunately in this region, we're still quite early on in, in the journey, you know, although we've seen sort of really solid growth of, of the business, I think the category is still being educated. It's still growing, you know, the, the breadth, if you like, of people who have that awareness and actually, you know, start to trust these services. Mm. So personally, I, you know, I'm really excited about what's to come from Mina. I still don't think we kind of hit that tipping point of where the products are really sort of um, onboarded by customers, if you like, or consumed by customers. I think it's that time is still to come. Yeah, it's fascinating. I think you, you touched on e-commerce and, you know, obviously there's payment gateways, there's people's appetite, ability to uh, to make online transactions. And then there's also appetite to pay for content over the top or online. And, and one of the smartest things that I'm always so impressed with, with Stars Play is your ability to do partnerships and strategic partnerships. You know, it might be with a telco in, in North Africa or just last night, I saw that you, you're, you've partnered with Sony TV to give all people who buy that smart TV a subscription to Stars Play. And that, you know, we see all the big companies here now have partnerships, people across sectors. But from, from where I'm sitting, it seems that Stars Play are, are the best at that, not just in streaming, but in across all the different sectors. How have you gone strategically about that? How do you view partnerships as a way to sort of get to customers? You know, I think kind of for us very, very, uh, very, very early on, um, you know, we, we have a certain budget as a company, right? You know, we have a certain marketing budget and a certain reach that that can gain us. 
And I think very, very early on, we were kind of aware that if we really wanted to succeed in, in the region, you know, one of the best ways that we can build trust in our brand, build trust in our product is actually to work with, you know, major established partners across the region. So I think for us, from, from the very sort of start of the business, that, that kind of need to partner, that want to partner, that want to support some of the kind of businesses that we see out there was very much sort of part of our business ethos, you know? And I think also um, we approach that in a very different way, as you say, to, to maybe other companies in the region, you know? We, we really truly understood how um, we could both offer each other value, you know? Whether it be a telco where, you know, for them, they really wanna bring content to their customers and utilize their data networks. For us, we really wanna have access to, to those customers and give them the ability to watch our product. So. I think very early on, we kind of worked well to number one, uh, understand the sort of the dual benefit each of us could receive from working together. Uh, and then really focused on making sure that when we worked with a partner, they got full value of our service, they got full value of our product. And we were really kind of focused on supporting that. And I think that also helped us being um, a local company as well. You know, when you're when you're kind of talking to a local partner from an office in Amsterdam, it's very different from from being a team that, you know, flies all over the region, spends time face to face with your partners and is, is really focused on on making decisions to support them. You know, one of the great things I feel about our business is that, you know, we can make decisions at our office based in Dubai. We can do something with the brand. We can do something with an integration and, and kind of we don't need to refer back to an office in the US to kind of make that decision. We can kind of support our partners directly ourselves in terms of rollout. So I think that whole approach has, has been key to us. I think, you know, working with the, as you say, Sony TV is, you know, these are perfect kind of blends of relationship. You know, the, the guys at Sony really want to push their product, really want to push the 4K element of their product so people can can get their best of their devices. And we kind of have that content to be able to share with subscribers. So it's a very, it works very well as a, as a match up together, you know? Yeah, as you mentioned as well. Yeah, exactly. Because sometimes, you know, it's, it's great to be able to have the relationship with the customer but there are other companies like telcos who already have maybe that kind of billing relationship so yeah. it makes a perfect fit and how did you approach sorry and they have that trust as well with the customer you know it's it's quite hard when you're an online streaming business six years ago a lot of people kind of have that perception that you could be a pirate right so there's almost that perception oh is this another pirate website so one of our challenges early on was kind of establishing that trust also with a customer, you know, establishing the fact that we are um, kind of a real brand. We are a brand from the region and, you know, the way that we operate is kind of legally, you know, we're not there as a, as a pirate company to steal your data. And I think when you partner with a partner like Etisalat, when you have the trust of an Etisalat or an STC and they're willing to bring you in front of customers, I think that also really helps establish trust in your brand and, and who you are as a company as well. Yeah, it's fascinating. It's that sort of credibility piece. You might necessarily have this sort of US media per se as the brand, but if you do it locally in the region, both in decision making and with strategic partnerships, you kind of make a match for those American companies. <laughs> but Danny, we're going to uh, take a quick break um, and we'll be just be back and we'll talk more about content. Have you been thinking about changing your lifestyle? 
Diego Carre is a PT who has helped over 600 men lose 15 kg or more using his system. The online fat loss coaching is easy to assess and through the use of Zmooney, you're able to pay for your lessons on WhatsApp, Instagram, and other social profiles. The transaction can happen in person while remaining cashless thanks to Zmooney. And we're back. Uh, so Danny was telling us all about the Stars Play, how it started, the strategic partnerships, and making a success in streaming in the region. Um, and we, you touched on as well, Danny, about the content that you that Stars Play offered. Um, you know, the the history of streaming and in one history, one version of the story is that, um, you know, say with Netflix where it was DVD and then into streaming around 2007 and uh, the big sort of rights holders might necessarily have thought that this would take on. So maybe some of the content that they brought in was quite cheap at the start. Um, and uh, I'm just wondering how you found it in, in, to starting in 2015 in, in the Middle East. Did you find that content was more expensive? Did you have to look at originals? How did you find kind of building up that database to provide kind of a good product for the customer? I think for us, um, you know, we were really fortunate to be one of the first companies to the, to the SVOD market in the region. So I think when we, when we look back to 2015, at that time, um, a lot of rights were actually open and available. So there was a combination of rights that were maybe where the digital rights hadn't been sold and just the satellite rights had been sold at that time. And then there were also a lot of rights with the studios that were kind of available and nobody had taken up. So I think when I look back to 2015, you know, we kind of launched at the right time to be able to have an, an access to build a really sort of strong library at that time, you know, and we, we were fortunate to partner at that time with people like Disney, with Fox, with Universal and some of these major studios to, to bring content onto the platform. And then I think, you know, because we kind of established that, if you like, that bridgehead back then, and we were able to bring subscriber growth to the platform and actually kind of grow the platform, that's given us credibility with those partners so that even when competition has come into the region, because we've been able to grow, because we've been able to put a product out there, we've been able to really well maintain those um, relationships across the years and, and kind of build up our, our, our library of content available to customers. So I think it's, uh, um, you know, the timing for us was good. And then I think, you know, the growth helped us maintain those relationships. But I think what's kind of important to the way we buy content as well is, you know, we're not a global company. We are, we're headquartered in Dubai. We're a, we're a MENA focused company. And I think even when we buy Hollywood content, we don't just buy everything and anything, you know, we kind of learn from our data. We learn from the viewing habits of our customers in Saudi Arabia, in Morocco, in the UAE, we kind of see their preferences within categories. Um, and as we buy our content over time, we're able to then, you know, really refine our offering that we bring consumers so that we bring something that we know uh, are in, have the right stars in them. They're the right kind of stories. They're the right kind of sections, uh, sorry, sectors to, to bring content consumption to our platform. So, Kind of to date, that's been our evolution has really, you know, been buying content from partners. But actually this year is kind of seeing a couple of big changes for us. I think um, this year we, we're moving into producing our first um, own originals to the company. We did a test original last year, a show called Baghdad Central that worked really well on the platform. Uh, and so now in 2021 and, and 2022, we're kind of, 
going to go more into the production of, a, of original Arabic content. We kind of found some really good stories that we think we can bring to consumers in the region. So that's something we're excited to do. So that's kind of one change to our strategy in 2021. And I think the second thing that we've done this year is also move into uh, an aggregation strategy as well. So, you know, when we look at it, there's so many different places that you need to go to maybe buy your content offering today from so many different providers. And kind of what we've tried to do is on one platform, on one application and one billing relationship, we're trying to bring additional products that customers can buy from us. So earlier this year, we launched uh, Discovery's uh, global product on the platform. So now in addition to your Stars Play subscription, you can buy uh, Discovery Plus products. Also, we launched uh, UFC in combination with Abu Dhabi Media. So now again, from the Stars Play platform, you can watch live fights, you can buy UFC products. Uh, just at the start of Ramadan, uh, we launched a product called Blue TV which is Turkish content that, you know, really resonates in the region dubbed in Arabic. So in addition to, if you like, our originals and our core sort of um, service that we purchase for, we're now kind of moving across into aggregation to bring, you know, more and more products to customers in, in one place, if you like. It's fascinating. I think, thanks for sharing. There's a lot of lot of things there. And I, I think it, res it kind of follows the sort of trends in, in the maturity of the streaming space in terms of originals and partnerships and, and things like that. Do, do you see Starsplay uh, being more of a carrier for other streaming platforms and content creators? And how far could that go? Or, or you know, do you think it, it'll still be that core sort of uh, place where you either have licensed or original content and people sort of know really that it's stars play that's bringing this to them i i think um we we hopefully see it as a combination of the two you know i mean the, our core product is always going to be at the heart of our business you know our, our hollywood product our arabic content our kids content and that core stars play offering will always be at the heart of our business and, and what we're focused on but I think what we're trying to trying to sort of do now, in addition to that, is give consumers additional choices, you know, and bring some some major, you know, global brands to our consumers um, that they can choose to buy or not on our platform as well to, you know, enrich their content experience, if you like. Okay. And really, you know, some of the brands, and and this is where kind of I think, you know, we have that bridgehead and that opportunity. You know, the MENA region, if you're you know, a company sat in the US or Europe can seem a very challenging region. You know, it's like 20 odd countries, different billing relationships across those countries, very different cultures in each of those countries. So actually being able to give a partner access to kind of our customer base and our distribution channels is something that number one is kind of really exciting for them to enter the market. And number two, we love because we can bring our, our customers, you know, really amazing product that they can add to their service. Yeah. So I think, you know, really trying to create that all round um, kind of home entertainment offering for the consumer, you know. Yeah. And it, it's, it's a sign of innovation as well that you're constantly sort of uh, experimenting and bringing new products to people. It makes the platform more robust and more uh, full in many ways. The, Danny, yeah. we've, we've almost gone 30 minutes without mentioning the pandemic uh, the, the, that we're almost yeah. a year into now. How, what, how, what did, how did Stars Play cope uh in the past 12 months what what did you do how did you react and how did that what did you see in terms of streaming adoption as well 
You know, I think, uh, yeah, I mean, the pandemic, obviously, for, for the streaming business was, um, you know, a, a time where I think a lot of people turned to content as something to do when they were in lockdown. So, you know, f for us, um, we really saw massive increases in our consumption, particularly back in kind of March, April, May uh, 2020, you know, where everyone was locked down and more and more people were watching services. So we saw you know, huge lifts in the number of customers that were coming across to our platform. We saw a huge lift in the consumption of the of the content on our platform. So, you know, fortunately, we were technically scaled for that. You know, we're a cloud-based business. So as we saw more consumption, we were able to scale up and, and meet the demands of the, of the extra customers coming onto the platform. I think our biggest challenge during that time or our biggest thing that made us nervous back then was that, People were watching so much content, you know, would they go through our whole library, you know, and and could we still access more content coming up in the future, you know, what were producers going to do and, and you know, would there be new production of content that we could bring onto the platform? So I think, you know, back at that time, those were kind of some of the concerns that we had. But I think the pandemic for the streaming business, you know, really kind of changed or kind of accelerated, if you like, people's uh, adoption of services. And, you know, at, at that time and even since then, you know, we look at our paid traffic and we look at our organic traffic coming to, our, coming to our channels. And I think the biggest thing that changed for us during that time is the organic traffic, the people that were actually directly out there looking for Stars Play um, really, really changed. And that change is almost stayed in our business even now we're almost or we are now sort of 12 months from the from the pandemic coming into place interesting and i've seen some shows lately are actually writing the pandemic into their scripts and, and things like that um so <laughs> people are seeing it on both sides both in terms of consumption and actually or yeah in terms of audience numbers and also narratives as well um so it's probably something that's going to live with us uh for some time well, yeah, and I know we, we launched recently um, on our Discovery Plus service uh, a documentary about sort of COVID-19 that Discovery produced. Um, um, and yeah. when, I was looking at our, when I was looking at our content consumption recently, I mean, this show did unbelievably on the platform, you know. It was one of the top three shows that, we, that we've seen from Discovery this year. So as you say, you know, you kind of have that reality of it being there and almost now building into the, the content and the stories kind of around this last 12 months. And yeah, and you kind of touched on it earlier as well and in terms of the stories that you're looking at. We're seeing a, a trend, uh, and we'll talk about the wider industry in a second, but we're seeing a trend where stories are originating not necessarily um, in the traditional way. They might come from podcasts or they might come from tweets. I'm, I'm waiting for the Suez Canal documentary to come out, you know, yeah, these things that kind of trend on social. Is that, is that what Stars Play have your eye on in terms of a content acquisition and originals, like more, more sort of um, creative ways and, and social media ways of getting uh, storylines? Yeah, I mean, look, I think the 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 key thing with content is having those great scripts, you know. So for us, for sure, um, you know, if we can bring a, a story that has social relevance, um, and we can bring that story and tell that in a in a really strong way, that you know, that's kind of the the optimum you know series that you want to produce, you know. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think that that's kind of really really key for us, and 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 you know, a big part of how we kind of reach customers is through social channels. So, you know, being able to create content that, 
that resonates on social media to you know bring customers to our platform is is kind of very very key to us as well okay but i think the challenge is just really finding those great stories and those great scripts you know it really starts there in terms of content production if yeah. you can find that you know that script then you can really evolve that into something that hopefully resonates with customers interesting so it's still about good quality storytelling um, a word on the sort of um our comments uh, on the the wider industry of the status play or the status quo i was listening to a, a, an interview with jason keeler from warner media and he was questioned a lot about releasing movies into theaters or um you know their hbo max strategy and, and things like that and you know when the interviewer um, almost made it out, made it to sound like a bad thing that there are 85 million cable uh, customers for Warner Media in the US, and that that's dwindling. But that's obviously a sizable business. How do you view, uh, Danny, the sort of the 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 dip, the cable versus uh, connected TV, and, and where we're going uh, as a wider industry? You know, I think really, honestly, um, when I look at kind of our market, I think there's kind of still room for both. And I think also, um, you know, some of the streamers are also working very closely with the cable companies as well, you know. So so I think live TV and having that ability to either watch live sports events, either watch live news, uh, you know, kids content is always going to play a, a, an important role in, in what consumers are looking for, you know. And I think just the, the SVOD services on top of that just give that consumer that extra choice. So I think in our region, maybe unlike the US, that I think that cord cutting is not quite as prevalent, you know? I mean, for us, for example, uh, we partner with um, Etisalat's eLife service, you know, which is kind of a, a cable service into the, into the homes of, of customers across the UAE. So, you know, kind of we, we find that the services complement each other really, really well. You have eLife for your live TV, and then on top of that, accessible from the same box, you can enjoy Stars Play's um, SVOD content on the platform as well. So I think, uh, you know, probably the, the region will evolve at a slightly, you know, different way to the U.S. I think in U.S., so many people were paying so much for TV services that kind of that, that cord-cutting um obviously made sense economically to the customer you know I, I don't think we see that kind of same um that same reach in in this region to be honest good it's good insight and again it shows a good understanding of the region um kind of segueing from that topic into technology and the trends in the region you know one of the things we don't have here is uh is a roku type uh sort of box like you mentioned that maybe that was something that stars play would have done at the start where they have content and then originals on top of that as well and we're seeing the telcos kind of gradually move into having android boxes and things like that and how do you see technology from that point of view but also from what the what the investments that stars play is making we hear a lot about machine learning and, and content and serving things up for people that's of interest to them what's your sort of view on on technology at the moment for stars play yeah i think you know to answer the first question i think the one thing we've we were kind of very nervous about at the start was whether uh number one that the networks in the region were ready for a service like ours and number two to your point whether the consumer had the device to uh consume a service like ours and i think 
kind of very early on we realized that those two things were not going to be our challenge you okay. know we were we were really you know within 12 months of launching over the networks in the region we were delivering 4k content to customers so really that network issue uh we were able to address kind of quite early on we did some you know some work on compression making sure we were delivering video to the customer in a way that you know didn't kill their their bandwidth didn't kill their consumption so that's not been a challenge for us so much and that, and i think although there's to your point maybe not a roku box uh available in the region today there are a number of devices kind of available to customers that we see them consume on so you have devices like apple tv which have become extremely popular i think all of the major smart tv operators as kind of i mentioned earlier their products are really being adopted now we see you know a huge amount of usage on our platform on the different smart tv brands and then i think people like android with their android tv products so you know you have a number of boxes at really competitive prices available with the android tv platform for consumers to be able to watch products as well so I think the kind of adoption of devices and the usage of those devices um, is is really become well established in the region. And it's, you know, for us today, it's not one of those things that keep us up at night, if you like. You know, that's one of the things that kind of seems to seems to be well supported. I, I think the thing that kind of did surprise us is the amount of consumption. I think early on, people thought of SVOD products as something for the mobile. Um, but I think what's actually happened with SVOD products is it's become a mainstream viewing product in the customer's home. Mm. So when I look at our consumption today, almost 70% of our consumption is on one type of big screen or another. You know, whether it's on the smart TV app, whether it's via the Sony PlayStation, but it's on a it's on like a big screen TV in, in the customer's home. Fascinating. And then to your, yeah, and, and to, to your second question in terms of technology, you know, yeah, there's there's all the buzzword about kind of machine learning and everything. But, you know, I think uh, to kind of put that into context, I think, you know, analytics is is really kind of core to what we do as a company. You know, whether that be the analytics on what people are consuming, uh, whether that be the analytics that goes behind building our recommendation engine, you know, getting when you have such a deep library of content, being able to customize that and get good assets in front of the right person becomes extremely key. You know, one of the biggest challenges is people knowing the breadth of content we have. So if we're able to refine that and actually show someone something that they're more likely to watch, um, building that recommendation technology has been kind of really, really important to us. And, and kind of also on the marketing side as well, you know, really understanding the, the channels that work, the creatives that work, being able to feed that data back into um, our acquisition programs to be able to optimize our, our acquisition cost is kind of a really key use for us of, of that te technology and that, that machine learning. And I think beyond that, uh, when we look at technology, you know, for us, it's really kind of about how we, you know, distribute our product. It's two things for us, I think, really. Number one is how we evolve our application experience so that we make it even more intuitive and easy, even more easy for customers to use. And then secondly is about how we evolve uh, the distribution of our video content. So the compression that we put in place, the video quality that we put in place. And, you know, we've really seen over the years with compression technology that you can deliver HDR quality video now at like, you know, 70% reduction in bandwidth to what we were doing five years ago. So 
really continuing to build on that kind of product quality and stability is, is really key part of our technology evolution, I think. Yeah, fascinating. To continue on the technology, as you mentioned, the industry seems to be, like all technology, just growing at such a fast pace, uh, and especially in streaming with even, even, the, even the smart TVs are getting fancier. I think I heard 8K terms now are, are being <laughs> mentioned. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, but you, you, you've mentioned SVOD's Danny subscription video on demand a few times, and it's, it's uh, brother or sister advertising video on demand are often mentioned as separate things. Like, do you think ad tech is coming more into all sorts of connected TV? Do you think that um, it, it's something that's inevitable? Will it come with live, with sports? And um, what's your view on it from a platform like Stars Play? Yeah, I mean, I think um, for us today, uh, and, you know, never say never in the future, we kind of have, have not evolved into advertising as yet. Uh, we've seen ourselves as, as a subscription video on demand service. And I think, you know, when we look at customer feedback, one of the things they kind of appreciate about our platform is the fact that we, you know, we don't uh, interrupt their programming with lots of adverts, Absolutely. you know. So, so for us, that's kind of been a key product differentiator for us to now. But, you know, I think as, as the market evolves and, um, you know, and as you say, as the ad tech evolves, the use of, you know, non-intrusive ways maybe to bring sort of brands to our products and be able to advertise is something, you know, that we do consider, we do look at, we do kind of think about that opportunity going into the future and, and how maybe we can do that. And I, I mean, I think as well, when you look at some of the services in the region, uh, you know, the ad tech and the AVOD service is really at the core of, of their business model, you know, and is, is really essential to how they're developing. And I think it's just a kind of, for me, a natural evolution, you know, if more and more people are going from the channels and they're moving across to watching on the on the streaming services, uh, it kind of makes sense for brands like NBC, you know, to really evolve that ad tech and evolve where they're serving those eyeballs, those adverts into the future. So I think it's, it's really just a, a natural evolution. But I think the difference with streaming um is is really kind of the data that's hold that is held about those customers you know so number one i think you can become as a advertiser a lot more targeted in the in the adverts that you're serving but number two i think as an advertiser you can become a lot more confident in the inventory that you're buying and i think that's also really really key you know i think in the past um kind of knowing the real numbers of where you're serving your ad has been maybe a challenge in uh, in the MENA region whereas today through the ad tech and through that kind of um changes uh in terms of the industry people are able to now have a lot more confidence about the the inventory they buy and how it performs for them interesting um last two questions danny uh one is around Another business trend that we've seen a lot in the last year is is SPACs and mergers. Starsplay is a very strong brand, a lot of customers, regional presence. Um, you must be an attractive acquisition uh, for people who have their eye on the region. Has that kind of uh, is that part of your plans? Have you looked at SPACs? Are you in conversations with anyone? I'm sure you won't tell me if you are, but I want to ask the question: What's the sort of roadmap for Starsplay? Where's your focus on? Well, I mean, I think our focus is on growing the revenues and growing the business, to be quite honest. You know, I think that's at the the core of, of what we're trying to do as a company. I think if, if we can get that right, hopefully those opportunities will come to us down the line. But I think, you know, really, 
I think our, our, our intention over the sort of mid to long term is to really, you know, put ourselves in a position where we could IPO the company. You know, I think that's the that's kind of our our vision and our goal for the future. You know, and I, I think the best way that we can do that is by, you know, number one, creating a profitable business where, you know, we're we're kind of cash, uh, our cash we're generating independently and we don't need funding, if you like, to run our business. And, and number two, that we can generate really good year-on-year -year revenue growth. So I think for us today, we kind of feel that the business has a lot of value to be generated yet, you know, that maybe it's not the time yet that, that we need to do something like that, that we can realize more of the value that this company has to has to generate and then maybe look at an IPO event sort of a little bit further down the line. Interesting. And to, using that topic and that conversation for the question I always ask is how you see if the Middle East will emerge as a market. Uh, but in line of an IPO, we recently saw Angami, uh, a streaming platform, although not like Stars Play, more so for music, uh, lists on, uh, on the on the New York Stock Exchange, uh, yeah. but but they didn't in the region. When you talk about IPO and, and your views on uh, the region of if if it will emerge, uh, will we see kind of bigger uh, annual GDP year on year growths in, in specific countries? And is there more potential for mature startups like Stars Play to list on the Tadul or in the or, or on the sort of SME boards in, in the UAE? You, you know, I think um, absolutely there is. I mean, when we look at the, the region, we're so excited about the potential of the region. And, you know, that's why we launched this company here. And I think, you know, MENA for startups is a, is a really, you know, great place. Um, you know, we're, we're really proud to have the opportunity to build a startup in MENA. I think the, the growth, you know, unlike some markets where there's a lot of maturity here in a lot of sectors, I think in MENA, there's a lot of sectors where there's still a lot of growth to realize, you know, as the e-commerce market kind of kind of grows. So number one, I think the the opportunity from the growth in the region is really there. And and I think if we can, you know, find those right set of circumstances to, you know, to do a local listing for sure, for us, it's, it's something that would definitely be of interest, you know. Brilliant. Great note to finish on. It's been inspiring listening to you, Danny. It's so great to see how a prosperous stars play and how robust and how, how the company goes from strength to strength uh so we'll follow your journey in the future and uh thank you again for your time today pleasure thank you very much for inviting us really appreciate it thanks a lot this show was powered by zmini once again a big thank you to them to help us provide this content to you for free also thank you to our producer yana kalashikova editor alibaba Please do check out more Dubai Works episodes and other shows over on Smashy.tv. You can follow us on social media and download our app, which is available on iOS, Android, and all good smart TVs. See you next week.